This is an episode, well, it's our hundredth episode. Ooh. We made it. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, elder candidate at Redeemer Fellowship. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. It's kind of a, it's kind of a special day. Yeah. Um, we hung out. We, that was uh, nice. That was nice. That's we, not like, No, it's, it's, a, it's a special day. This is a special. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying we hung out. Okay. We smoked some cigars. Yeah, well, okay. We okay. do that every day. I know, but we went to Barrel and Rye. Yeah. Um, do not tell me that you don't know what day this is. I know you were gone for a long time, but you know what today is. Today, it's our anniversary, dude. 100, How, 100 episodes. Is today 100 episodes? 100 episodes. This is our 100th episode? 100. We've recorded 100 episodes of this podcast. Well, really, like 110, 115. Yeah, there's... Yeah, those other we, have, ones, we, have, we, have, we have bonus episodes. I'm not counting not, those. We, I'm we, counting the ones that we're like, oh, this is junk. Yeah. <laughs> Every once in a while we'll record them, we'll be like, mm-hmm, forget yeah, that. Delete it. I'm not going to use it. But uh, yeah, this is our 100th episode? You know it's our 100th we episode. We made it. We did. We, we did. made it. And we can retire now. Well, I think we're done. All the money we've made off this thing. Oh, all the way. <laughs> all the money we've made and lost. All the money we've spent on this thing. Um, yeah, man. So I'm excited. It's, uh, you wow. know, it's a big deal. 100 Man, it's not any, any bigger deal than 99. It's arbitrary for us to be excited about 100. I just think we like the idea that it hits that it, it, big number. It's kind of a milestone. Yeah. Yeah, well, it is a milestone. Well, because you know, we, I mean, because we, we say it is. 99 could be a milestone. Who cares? Who's going to say 99's a milestone? Me. No. Okay. You're, right. you're going to say like at 101, we're going to be like, woo! Yeah, 101. Yeah. Right. 101, 101. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, listen, not everybody, not every, I'm excited, but not everybody's excited. There, there, I've, I've, I've noticed that there is, it's kind of a movement. It's kind of this mm. unorganized move. You know what Antifa is, right? Wait, what? Antifa. No, I don't know what that is. You don't watch the news. You don't see what's going on. I, I, All those kids, they wear black. They cover up their faces, and they're crying about Trump being president, and they get in fights. Oh, liberals. <laughs> okay, gotcha. No, no. no. So um, not, not liberals. Those are some really smart liberals. Antifa are uh, – well, I didn't want to get into it. So, um, But there is a movement, a small movement, mm-hmm. and I, I like – they're like uh, – they're like um, – anti-rant they're like the anti-rant movement and they they do not like our banter anti-banter that's really banter anti-banter yeah we get that yeah we so get that. we get that somebody like man just you know we don't like it and everything and uh but then we get e- emails money more saying i love the banter don't yeah, yeah, give yeah, up yeah. on that keep it up so it's not for everybody it's not for everybody this but, is this is us this is the jofo all right listen we try to, we try to be honest we try to be uh you know real we we don't you know, we try to be nice. We, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I feel like we actually do try to be, you know, conscientious and of other charitable. people. We try to be charitable. I, I feel like that. But, you know, I'm sure we fail sometimes, but I did get this. We got this message the other, the other day. Um, mm. So I thought I would share with you guys. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad with this you guy. mad, bro? So this guy says, uh, I'm sorry to say, I think I'm going to give up on Doc and Devo. And this is the episode that did it. Now, this was the episode on the church in the world. So anywho, uh, he was behind quite a bit. He said, uh, fellas, I hope you take this as good and constructive because the beauty of the pod is that your godliness does show. Oh, that was very nice of him to say. Issues like the Puritans, 1689, living godly life, etc., are great. Episodes like this miss the mark of nuance that is helpful. 
Joe, I feel you've conflated a few of the positions and their merits warrant dismissing them without discussion wasn't helpful. Other topics with which you disagree, you've handled better spiritual gifts. But other times, like with the mission of the church, it's dismissive and doesn't interact or lead into more expanded and nuanced views on the subject. Uh, I also had a hard time focusing amidst all the banter, (laughs) Uh, which has become increasingly true through the episodes. I might hit you up on certain topics that you handle well, but Doc and Diva will no longer be a part of my daily queue. So uh, I sent the guy a message saying, hey, man, thanks for listening for as long as you did. It's all good. Um, you know, no, no hard feelings. But um, I, I, I guess I would say two things to this, right? One is Jimmy, Jimmy asked me, are you discouraged by this? I'm like, I'm fine. It's, it's, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would say a couple of things. One is I, I don't I mean, I'm. I can definitely be more charitable uh, more of the time, and, and I want to be. But at the same time, if I think something is wrong or lacks merit, and I, I'll probably just say that, um, we can't cover things exhaustively. This is a conversational podcast. Yeah, that we're yeah, having. yeah. So there, there is that. But I would also say, I guess my biggest problem with this sort of a response is, are you only going to I – mean, if you can't handle the banter, then I get that. Turn it off. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But if you only listen to podcasts that – I guess don't offend you. I, I don't know. I feel like I don't think he was offended. No, no, no. But like he, I'm trying to think of the word. Like he doesn't like the way that we handled something because why? Well, because you weren't very nice about it. I'm like, well, okay. So then, therefore, he must have been offended by that. I mean, I don't know how else okay. to put it. So I, I, I guess all I'm trying to say is I'm not trying to represent him in a bad way. I'm just saying like I listen to guys that I totally disagree with. I listen to atheist podcasts. I listen to guys that it's not an atheist podcast, but I listen to atheists who have podcasts. I disagree with them on a lot of stuff. And I get annoyed, but I still find it beneficial to listen to. But we get negative emails like that every once in a while. You know, the thing is that we got that message. Right. And then the next day got this message. Which one? This one is from uh, Devin Taylor. And he says this. um, I just want to say I virtually disagree with all of the biblical debatable stances that you guys take. That's all right. (laughs) I'm not a Calvinist. I believe that all the gifts are for today and I am a Pentecostal. That being said, I just want to say I love your podcast. That's all caps. The wit, the banter and the biblical truths are amazing. I'm a theology nut, except for Pentecostal or whatever. I'm a theology nut and have searched and searched for a instructing but interesting podcast with some humor. Thank you guys so much. I respect the stances you guys take and how you objectively describe the other side, which I love. Most people struggle with that, but you guys are awesome. I love you guys podcast on Bibles and wished I listened when y'all were doing the giveaway. That Omega Bible is pretty sweet. Blah, 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 blah. But for real guys, you guys are awesome. Um, just wanted to pay y'all back. Keep doing what you're doing. So, I mean, there, you know, we, he totally disagrees. He totally disagrees <laughs> with us on on our uh, where we stand theologically, but still, just like this other guy, they're still brothers in Christ. Yeah, and so yeah, the podcast is not for everybody. I, I think we we've yeah. known that. That's the Jofo is an acquired taste, right? You know, and I think it's we, cast is casket strength, right? It's ca- <laughs> cask strength. Cas- Castering, yeah, not casket. No, cask. that would be dead. Cask. Yeah, cask we don't, we're not, we're not, no, no, yeah, we're not. We're not casket. We're not. Yeah, that's we're a not, coffin. Well, I was, yeah. well, we also call that some other podcast. 
Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to say the name of them. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, Here, Here's the thing. Um, I was bringing up mine just because to say, like, hey, listen, I know that not everybody digs it. Um, that's not going to change. The banter's not going away because that's just that's what we that's do. That's just how we – yeah. That's all, just every how we day, roll. all day, like, that's even, what we Even do. the fact that, like, when I was away, yeah, I felt it. Yeah. I felt this lack of banter. I yeah. tried with Michelle. It didn't work. Yeah. And Steve, Steve McCoy was like, hmm, you're different. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, Jimmy's not here. You're different. I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, you know. We got the best in each other. I know. I know. So, um, yeah, please feel free to write in. And, uh, and we, we appreciate that. We read everything. We can't always hit you back uh, with a message, but we read everything. And, uh, in fact, that's what we're going to do today. I think for our 100th episode, we're going to answer or interact with some uh, listener emails, right? Yeah, I mean, we get a lot of emails, a lot of emails. And so we do take all of them and we put them into – uh, Trello, where we have our podcast ideas. And so recently what we've been doing is we've been marking them a certain color because they're not necessarily full episodes, but so thinking, Hey, these are episodes that we are, these are things that we could use, uh, to do like mailbag and, and stuff like that. So, uh, do you want to just get right into it? Let's do it, man. Let's, Let's do it. All right, here we go. What do you want to do first? Let me do the first one. Yeah. I'm going to read it out to you right now. All right. Who is it from? Uh, Christy. Right. Christy. Yeah. Christy. Uh, subject, Women Worship Leaders. Greetings, d and I'm a new listener, but your podcast has already been a great encouragement to me in my faith, especially as someone who grew up Arminian, but now finds herself falling more so into the category of Calvinist. That being said, I wanted to ask you guys a question. In your estimation, is it biblical for a woman to lead the congregational singing within a corporate worship service if the church holds to a complementarian understanding of scripture, which maintains women are not to be pastors or elders? Or would this be viewed as a woman usurping the authority of men within the corporate worship service? From what I understand, inscription, in scripture, women are permitted to prophesy and pray, but not teach within the corporate gathering. And I'm curious as to where leading the music falls. Or if I'm misunderstanding something here, I'm open to correction. I've yet to hear a Reformed Baptist perspective on this specific topic, especially from Reformed folks who like instruments too. So I wanted to hear your thoughts. Thanks again for all you guys do. I'm always looking forward to the next episode. Thanks so much, Christy. Thanks, Christy. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Great question. And it's, uh, it's actually a question that I think you have to um, think about and reflect on with some nuance because how you answer this question depends on not just how you view the what certain passages of scripture say about women in the gen, in the corporate assembly yeah. but also what you see happening in the assembly of the church so for example if your church only has a has a worship pastor and it is a pastor who leads out in worship the idea of of someone saying why don't you have a woman lead in corporate worship for them, they would say, like, well, no, that's a pastoral role for yeah, us, yeah. and it wouldn't happen. Um, other people are more like the, they don't view it as a pastoral responsibility mm-hmm. to actually lead that. You have they have non-pastors or non-elders lead that, though it's overseen by elders. And so they might have a little more um, room. Leeway, yeah. Yeah, a little more lead right, at least from their perspective. Um, but so let's say this. Uh, I agree with you. That according to scripture, women can pray and prophesy in the gathered assembly. I think we see that. Um, there are a whole host of passages in there that speak about um, some some of this and some aspects of it. But so I'll just agree with you there, and I would say that we have to ask ask the question and then try to answer it. What is the worship leader doing? 
Yeah. And is what the worship leader doing exclusively a pastoral role? Um, is it, and, and if it isn't, then will, um, if you're a complementarian, will placing a woman in that role, might that confuse people, lead people mm -hmm. in a direction away from what you hold to be true? Or would it be an opportunity for you to clarify um, I think this is somewhat of an open-handed issue. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I wouldn't die on this, uh, especially in, in our context, but I do think you've got to think through, and I think most churches, I think most of, I'll myself, most of us don't think through all of the implications of all of the things that we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Things we don't That's allow, right. like if we, well, you've never done that before and well, we should think about it or we, we do this and we don't ever think about it yeah. as well. So I would say that you know, Redeemer does not have a female worship leader, but we do have women in our gatherings who uh, sing and who read scripture yeah. and who pray, um, you know, from the stage, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah. And I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, I'm hesitant to say this is the view because I, I I would imagine the most reformed churches would say that's. A, I'm, not, I'm not saying all, but most would say that's. That should be only for men, uh, and better yet, someone called a ministry. Yeah. Um, See now, I, and I've heard it, it for those kind of churches. What they would do or say is, uh, it's it's the pastor that is in charge of worship. It's mm -hmm. the it's the authority issue here, right? Is who is authority over this ministry? And so, if the pastor is is the one that's overseeing that ministry, um you has a bit more leeway when it comes to, I think as you're talking about who leads in singing or who starts off in singing or who starts off in scripture reading. Right. Well, the difference is we're not talking about who starts off with singing or reading scripture, but who is leading the corporate worship and leading the congregation. Okay. I see so, um, like we want our worship leaders to be exhorting, uh, to, you know, be doing more than just playing music up there. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's why some people would be like, I, I just don't know about this. Might that fall under like prophesying in that sense? Might that fall under, you know, general exhortation? Yeah. I think, yeah. I think it could. So I think we need to be, uh, you know, generous here, gentle here, but think it through very carefully. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not alarmed if a church that is doctrinally solid and healthy um, has a woman leading worship. I'm not alarmed by that. But uh, if, if we aren't thinking through what we do, whether it's something like the way that you do communion, you just have always done it that way. We've never thought about it. That's not good. You should no, really that's not good enough. You got to really go through it. And it applies to things like this too. And I think for complementarians, and we're complementarians here, um, it is easy for us to just kind of operate the way we always have, and we haven't ever thought about this. Like, so is there a reason why um, you don't have women involved in this aspect of of church life? And sometimes the answer is, well, we just have never done it. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. We don't have a. It doesn't. It doesn't impact complementarian thought. We just have never done it. Um, but it then seems to look like you count this as one of those issues. So I, I don't know. I I would say that we should. Um, talk it out. And I, I think for, for complementarians, what we definitely are all in agreement in is that the role of pastor teacher in the church, right, is, uh, is for men who are qualified and called by the church to serve in that capacity. So elder, right, that's the pastor teacher. Mm -hmm. Elder is for qualified called men. 
and uh, we do not see scripture allowing for women to function in that particular role, though there are many other roles that are complementary to that that they could fit into, and that's a different. We're going to get into that, that that's in, another a different pod, thing, yeah. in another podcast. All right, this question is from Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, I'm just going to say the first name. Okay. Oh, I know this guy. All right. Um, subject is disqualified elders. Here's my question. How do you deal with an elder candidate who is disqualified? Do you continue to invest in him even though the disqualifications are severe? Do you continue to allow that person to lead in the capacity of a community group and preaching from the pulpit in order for them to continue to grow in preaching the word? Thanks for all you guys do. That's a hard one. Yeah. I kind of feel like if you've gotten to that stage of elder candidate uh, and now you're seeing it, did you really actually – go through the process from the beginning correctly. Well, let's assume I'm not trying to be rude yeah. there when I say that, but I'm saying I, I, I feel like redeemer would not have brought me into that process without thinking or without having gone through a lot of due diligence beforehand. Well, it could have happened in the midst of it. Everything could have been yeah. on the up and up. And then suddenly boom, dude has an affair and in the midst of candidacy. Well, that's different. I think the one this uh, it says disqualified. I know, but here's the thing. Uh, what I guess I, without context, it's hard for me yeah. to know because the person's referring to, uh, do you allow them preaching from the pulpit in order for them to continue to grow in preaching the word? So I, in the, within that context, within this email, I'm seeing it. This person's just not growing as well, but disqualified. That's not, not growing. I, I understand that, but without, I don't. I, so yeah, maybe if it's an affair, I don't even know why well, we're having this question. That. So it's, it's hard for us to answer because we don't know what you mean by disqualified. Um, so, but I, I would say this, um, if by disqualified, you mean that they have failed morally and they are no longer qualified because of the standards set forth in first Timothy three, then um, A, you want to um, deal with that particular issue. Um, depending on the sin, uh, they maybe they should not be leading yeah. uh, a CG, uh, definitely not preaching from the pulpit. I would continue to invest in them, sure. I mean, I, because I don't know what he means by disqualified. Um, you know, if this is a guy who can, I mean, he, he obviously can preach and he obviously can lead because yeah. he does CG and he preaches. So what is the disqualification? Yeah, what's the disqualification? Uh, some... It's hard to say. But I would say in general, uh, the way we normally use that term, if he's disqualified, I would pull him from preaching. I would pull him from leading. I would invest in him. He would come under church discipline. And in that context, we would seek to restore him to whatever is permissible, whatever is allowable. And that's a whole nother subject. But yes, continue to invest. But now if it's just that, well, he's, you know, we thought he would be a good elder, mm -hmm. but it turns out he's not going to function as an elder. It's not going to work. Then, uh, yeah, we have people that preach that aren't going to be elders at our church. And we have uh, people that lead CGs that are not going to be elders in our church. So that yeah. wouldn't be an issue. Uh, let's see this question. Hold on. I'm actually, let me ask one. Cause this is one that will relate to you. Okay. Well, hold on. It does say, don't say the name. Cause if you look okay. at that third paragraph. All right. All right. Here we go. His name is Bob Jones. <laughs> All right. Um, Hey dudes. First off, thank you so much for providing a podcast that is both lighthearted and enlightening. It is a joy to listen to you guys throughout the week. My question is for the guy who leads the podcast. <laughs> what a dork. All right. Thanks, Bob Jones. Jimmy. Okay, he says I'm being funny. 
As an executive assistant, what are the things that enable you to be an effective helper to JoJo? What makes the JoFo <laughs> so effective aside from the close bond you guys have? Now, um, so let me say this. First of all, Jimmy is not my assistant. No, yeah. Let's. Be, is, I want that clear. He is the assistant to the elder I'm team. the executive pastoral assistant. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. To the team, not to one individual. Right, right, right. So he is the assistant to the elders mm -hmm. and is really functioning more in that executive pastoral role, which Jimmy's going to explain. And once he is an elder, God willing, he'll finish that paper and take the oral exam yep, and yep, yep. get it done. I'm on it. Third then, draft. Third um, draft. Then he would no longer be an assistant. Uh, he would be you know, an executive pastoral or something like that. Um, if, if the church would say like, yeah, we, we love this. So that's all assuming that goes through. If so, the church wants me. Jimmy, Fofo, mm -hmm. answer this man's question. Um, what are those things? And he wants to know, what are the three things that help you to be an effective uh, assistant to the elders? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one of those things is being direct. Right. Mm, that's good. Um, sometimes it's it's especially in, in that kind of role when you, you know you are like the executive pastoral assistant and you're not a full elder, you know, uh, you hesitate or you uh, don't you lack confidence to kind of speak your mind or to to give your opinion. Um, and you might kind of sugarcoat things or you might be afraid of offending people. Um, you, you be direct. So you got to be able to be direct. Uh, be honest. Um, I think also uh, be, I'm trying to think of the word, like actually we talk about a lot, be charitable with one another. Right. Because that's really important is giving each other the benefit of the doubt, right? Like uh, with our meetings, you know, we're trying to get through a lot of things and some important things. And so sometimes we, we need to be short and direct with each other. And it might come off at times as, you know, abrupt and abrasive. We had this conversation on the front end when people are joining the elder team or coming in that we're going to speak direct. We're going to be, um, you know, concise because mm -hmm. we have a lot to get through. So please give everyone the benefit of the doubt in terms of their motives. That's right. No one's out to say. get you. No one's Don't out get to your feelings hurt. That's because right. We're being direct. That's right. So I think having that understanding. Um, and I think the third thing is, and I think that's something, um, Wait, what, really? what, what were the first two? Well, the first was being direct. Yeah, second being, one. Being charitable. charitable. Got it. Uh, but I think the third thing is, um, I'm trying to, how do you word it? Like, I, I want to use the word love, but if you don't, yeah, if you're not sold out on the mission and vision, if you are not loving the church itself, then it's not the, a good place for you. You can't just be an employee. You can't just be an employee. You've got to have something invested here. And so for me, what's invested for me is I love this church. I, I would be, I've said it to a few people um, that I've talked to and even family and friends um, back in Canada. I would be content to die here, right? Like I, if all I ever did was work part-time at the church, and even if I didn't work at the church, if all I ever did was be a, you know, a member of this congregation for the rest of my life, I would be happy. And so, um, I am quite thankful for Redeemer. I believe in the mission and vision. I love the leadership and I love the people, uh, and I will follow, uh, God's leading of our elders. And so if you're not, if you're not invested in that way, if you don't really believe in that, if you're just looking for a job or treating it as just another job, then I don't think 
that place is for you. You need to love the people in the church to effectively minister alongside others. That's good, man. I think that's really good. And I'm going to say a couple of other things about Jimmy that make him effective. Oh, here we go. Um, first of all, uh, to be, uh, the, the executive type leader, um, whether that's an assistant or executive pastor or whatever, you have to be able to see problems and brainstorm solutions. Um, you can't just be a critic. Being critical in the best possible sense of that word can be an asset, but only if you are also constructive. Yeah. So you've got to be able to diagnose problems, and you also then have to be able to say, like, what, uh, what is the solution? And or, um, this is even times more importantly, sometimes, like, we might already know the answer, but we need a plan to get there. Yeah. So uh, a good executive assistant or pastor is a person who knows systems and how to make things work. This is why you see guys with a lot of business background come into this role, uh, which can be a great asset. But if all they have is the business and they're not humble, teachable, godly, called, uh, then they have no business being in that role. That's right. So Jimmy has that business background. He's got a mind for this stuff, but he has the heart for it. He has the calling for it. So that is really, really important. I would just want to add those two things on there that oh, prob- thanks, problem solving, man. You've got to have those problem solving skills. Uh, and I'm actually going to add something to it. Is that okay? Can I say that? Can sure. I add something it's to your, it? It's your email. Oh, okay, good. Um, it's not just about the assistant or the executive pastor. It is, a, though, it is about the elders themselves. Uh, they are, they need to be willing to receive that criticism or that constructive criticism. Um, and so I think there has to be an openness on their part Mm -hmm. to hear, uh, an exhortation or, or an encouragement, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're looking into a position and the person is not open and they're not willing to listen, then, uh, actually there's this book called leading from the second chair. And it's actually kind of talking about this kind of thing, this dynamic, because in my role, um, I'm there to assist the elders. I'm there to assist the pastors, you know, come alongside them and to do all do the background stuff. So uh, but that also means, though, that uh, I have to speak into certain things that others are not speaking into and they might not hear from other people directly. And so they have to be open to hearing that kind of exhortation if they're not run yeah, you, that's if it. leaders we see this i see it a lot it really bothers me like a leadership this small group of people that are unaccountable unteachable <laughs> sorry no, what are you laughing no at? keep going that no was that's weird. it no no that's... people are gonna think you're laughing at this i'm not laughing at you no but what are you laughing at i got an alert on facebook yeah so you know we're, we're speaking in new zealand right oh i saw it yeah and michael beck played up there and so, you know, he talks about how uh, Joe's going to be there, I'm going to be there, and Jim the Man Renahan's going to be there. And then somebody uh, just chimed in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Dr. James White goes, <laughs> <laughs> who was there this last year. Was yeah, he Joe, was one of the main preachers. It was Joe, Dr. Renahan, and Dr. You White. You bumped James White. That's right. He goes, oh, I see. I get it. Uh-huh. All right. Sniff, sniff. And I go, I just responded, they wanted a better James. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh, you're right though. We've seen that though, and it you yeah. got to run, you got to get out. Get, I've been part of those safe. churches. It's not fun. Get out, get out, get out, get out, get out, get out. And James, we love you, man. Oh, like, Doctor White, I, 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 wish, I would be so honored to share a stage with you. I I, uh, I wish I wish that you would we were there. That would be awesome, and then we could have all four of us go. That'd be great. 
Yeah, I don't. Take it up with Michael Beck. I'm actually surprised that they, yeah, I don't know why Dr. They White. They want the Doctrine and Devotion Conference. That's the, that's really it. I, I can't understand it. They wanted less bow tie. Yeah, they got two guys wearing bow ties up there. <laughs> they wanted to take now they'll have two t-shirts and one bow tie. <laughs> All right, next question. This is a rural church planting. This is from Zach. This question is specifically for Joe Thorne. Sorry, Jimmy. What were some of the challenges that you faced when you were a pastor in a rural town? As someone who's hoping to pastor a church in a rural area at some point in the future, I would love to hear more about your experience. Thanks a ton, Zach. You're welcome. Two tons, Zach. Um, Yeah, so uh, Jen and I thought long and hard, read books on it, listened to pastors that uh, were pastoring in rural contexts. We did all of that when we were in Bible college, and we thought, like, maybe, maybe that's where we would land. Uh, is in a very, I mean, in, I'm, you know, I'm a suburban city kid, and uh, you know, Jen was growing up in Frankfurt, but then in Africa in her high school years. So, um, it, but we thought there was something romantic about it. I think ideologically, um, and so I'm a big believer. We need rural church planters. Yeah, um, the rural context oftentimes gets ignored by church planting, um, oftentimes by denominations. And we have people out there that are under-resourced and underfed, un- under-led. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a great mission field. Um, but just like anything, this is true for every context, make sure that you are called to that kind of an environment because it is a different environment. Some people can thrive in the city. Other people just wither up and die in a major city. Yeah. Um, they got to have a different context. My wife would never thrive in downtown Chicago. Oh, yeah. Michelle she, would not either. They, they, they're just not – she just – it's like she can't breathe. Um, I like it. I have no problem down there at all. But that was a part of what helped us to clarify, okay, we're called here to this context. So um, my experience personally is different because um, of the kind of church that I, I pastored and the fact that I was very young uh, as a pastor. And um, and I'm not, I wasn't – clearly I was not called or am not called a pastor in a very rural context. So um, it was hard on a cultural level because, you know, tattoos, heavy metal, cigars – um yeah, yeah they, they, they didn't they didn't think of the same way about mm-hmm. some of those issues. Um I was reformed and uh the church, you know, was not. And I didn't make this a big issue for them and it didn't create any um any division over that, but it was, you know, there was some differences there, but as it relates to that particular context, that particular city and county, um I talked too fast. I heard that a lot. You talk way too fast. You preach too fast. We cannot follow you. Mm-hmm. Um, we had differing values, and uh, at times, um, the people I think saw us as outsiders and never really let us in. And that may have been because they were probably pretty sure that I was only going to be there for a few years before I moved on. So my experience was different on a lot of different levels, and it definitely isn't. Um, normative for everybody. Uh, what I do think is true in rural contexts is generally one, if it's an established church, it's probably been there for a long time. Yeah. And if you are the new guy coming in, you're going to have to be patient. You're going to have to, it's going to take a couple of years before you are actually their pastor. Even yeah. though you'll have the title. There's you gotta, a lot of investment that they have. Like people are really close to their yeah. previous uh, minister. Yep. And, and even, even sometimes not even so much him, he was here for three years, the guy before that for three years, they are invested in one another and in that institution. Yeah, that's so right. So like, you know, they're like, I had a guy that did rural church ministry tell me, he goes, old rural churches are like cats. 
uh, they don't need you. Uh, they if you want to pet them, fine, but like they they'll be fine without you. You can yeah. just you can just leave, do your thing. They were they'll be there when you're gone. They were there before yep. you got there. So I would take that into consideration. If you are going to plant in a rural context, um, I would say do everything that you can to become a real part of that particular culture, that county. Um, know the people, spend time. If uh, like you know, hunting and taxidermy is a big thing, then I would say find ways to connect. Yeah, you got to you got to get into you it. Got to get all in. I don't think it's really on the principal level different from planting anywhere else. I no. think what's different is that most the people that I know don't have the experience there. I certainly didn't. So that's why it was such an awkward fit at times. But if you feel called to that and, uh, and you thrive there, man, then go get it on. I'm excited for you and let us know how it's going. Once you get, once you get there. Awesome. Uh, well, Joe, we got one more. Okay. That we'll do. Uh, we're going to talk about fallen pastor restoration. Ooh, you don't want to pick an easier one, huh? Huh? No, <laughs> let's go with well, that got one. Tithing. That one's easy. Nah, nah. This is our teaching this, versus preaching. We'll do that, that later. Easy. We'll do those later. Oh, this is our hundredth episode. We got to right. uh, go big or go home. Speaking right. of which, we have an announcement to make. You didn't make the announcement. What was the announcement? The announcement about next year. What's next year? You know what's going on. Oh, uh, the second annual Doctrine and Devotion Conference. Boom! It's a Friday, Saturday. We're going to give you That's two, it. two Friday night. Sat- all day Saturday. Well, yeah, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Not all day. Well, it's all day. Well, no, I'm like... You're like, like 10 to 4. That's pretty much all day. Yeah, yeah, 10 to 4. Yeah. That sounds a little bit... I'd probably... Uh, we'll figure it out. It's all day. It's there. It's there. It's all day. And, all right, fine, all day. And... And Friday night. Can we tell them who's coming? Who's going to be the, the keynote? Because you're going to be preaching. I'm going to be preaching. I was going to have James White do it, but we bumped him. We bumped put him. Jim Fowler well, in Well, there. once I saw he wasn't good enough for New Zealand, I figured he's not good enough for Doctor so, Devotion like, 2018. <laughs> And I know Dr. And White's not listening. And before you James White fans get all butthurt <laughs> oh, about go. this. Here we go. We know James White. We love James White. He is a friend. We're joking around. All right. I showed him how to tie his first bow tie. All right. So who's come? Who's the main speaker? Pastor Doug Logan. That's right. Our most popular episode yes. ever. The most downloaded episode. You guys love him. Mm-hmm. We love him. He's a friend of ours. And he, yeah, we... Pastor Doug has let me know. He's like, man, I'm still getting messages today. Yeah. I am still getting messages from people that were encouraged by that episode. So listen, uh, Pastor Doug is a phenomenal preacher. Awesome. Guy can preach. Yeah. He's reformed. Um, and he's fun and he's our friend. So he is going to be the guy and we're going to be preaching on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit and the local church. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be good. I'm super pumped. I'm, I'm actually really, really excited. Right, so listen, we don't have all the details up yet, but we are, we have secured the location. Yep. So it's going to be the same the place. Speaker. We got to secure the speaker. <laughs> and uh, so details will be forthcoming. We want to get this out there as soon as yeah. possible for you guys. We had over 200 people last time over for our first conference people. with how much notice? Three months. Okay. Well, we're giving you guys a lot of notice and we can, I think we can pack this place out. I so, think so. And so, yeah, we're going to want to get on early, especially with with Pastor Doug. I mean, yeah. Pastor Doug is such a phenomenal, phenomenal speaker and yeah. preacher, and he's got such a heart. And so uh, he's excited. We're excited. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's going to be it's going to be great. We're looking at, you know, adding a few things yeah. to the conference. We're hoping, uh, you know, we're working out some details, so I don't want to promise anything. But we are uh, hoping to have some time of worship together. Yeah. Um, which is why we hope to expand it, you know, the way we did. Uh, we're really, really excited about this opportunity. Um, save Spread the, the date, figure it out, like get here, carpool, you know, we'll have again, you know, we're actually, we're working, we're going to be, uh, working with the hotel. 
this yeah. time yeah. on trying to get discounts for the, for doctrine devotion attendees. And we'll have a lot more resources for you guys, places to go and eat. You know, we had a small number listed. We'll get you guys all hooked up. So you have uh, tons of opportunities to hang out, see what's going on. out Absolutely. Here. So it'll be good. So yeah, check it out. There should be a link in the show notes to get, to get started. All right, Joe, you ready? This is for the hundredth right. episode. Are you ready? This yeah, is from TJ. All right. So <clears throat> this is a follow-up to the fallen pastors episode. Oh yeah. Message. I've been mulling over this a lot lately and given the topic and given the topic today, I'd be curious as to your thoughts in the situation of a fallen pastor. Jimmy just did air did quotes. Air quotes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, whether the reasoning be an affair or the like, is there a proven process for restoration to public ministry again? I can't find one. I followed the stories of guys like Driscoll, Noble, Tulian, etc., and I cringe at their attempts to regain the influence they lost. I find it especially appalling that many attempt to regain their ministry sans a local church working through a repentance and counseling plan. So I guess what I'm getting at is does, quote, once disqualified, end quote, mean always disqualified? Yeah, that is a... That's a that's there are a books written one. on this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean... Uh, Read, listen to everybody, like try and understand every perspective. Um, uh, can a fallen pastor be restored? It depends. Uh, if we're just talking in terms of possibility, um, I think there are, there is the possibility of a pastor who has fallen to be restored, but there are certainly some things that a pastor can do, which will disqualify him permanently. I agree. Yep. There are some things. Now, what is on that list? Well, that's going to depend. You know, there's, it's not like the Bible gives us an exhaustive list, right? But uh, I do think that um, abuse of children uh, is a permanent disqualification, and yeah. it should be jail time at the very least. I agree. Uh, I, w- I would like there to be even more punishment than that. Um, so it can uh, specifically, can a pastor who has had an affair be restored? Um, my conviction is no. Now I could be wrong on that. Um, if a pastor could be restored and, and I'm open to that, that's a possibility. I could be wrong. If a pastor who has had an affair, uh, could be restored, it would be a multiple years long process. Yeah. Agreed. Under the care and discipline of a local church. Yep. Um, with, uh, Proven um, repentance and growth. Uh, the, the the spouse would have to be a hundred percent on board and for it. Um, but I tend to think if there is an affair, uh, once you are in the ministry, I think you're out. Um, easy for me to say because I have not had an affair yeah. uh, as a pastor, um, and I know that I could be wrong. But no, if there is going to be any, so in in the case of Driscoll where he did not have an affair, I think that a guy in Driscoll's situation could have been restored. Oh, absolutely. But it would have taken years, and it would have required authority, discipline, accountability, Yeah, so coaching. why is he going to, yeah. Well. Do you cut and run and do your own thing? No way. No way. No. No, you, I don't think you just get to hang up a shingle and go like, oh, okay, I'm a pastor again. I don't buy that. And I know that, but a lot of people do. I mean, yeah, yeah. but that's, that, that's, I guess, preferential or. That's not restoration. Yeah. That, that's something else. That's, well, that's, reinven- that's, that's reinvention. Is I, what it's that is. It's just cowardly. It's just cowardly. So, yeah, I think if, uh, goodness, I mean, just think about how does restoration happen for anybody? 
Well, restoration happens with honest confession, real contrition, real repentance, uh, humility, growth, care. Uh, you know, it takes time. Restoration takes time. And Have we seen it happen well? I mean, like, serious question. Like, because I think that's part of his thing is like, well, maybe maybe we haven't seen it on the larger scale. Yeah, he's saying right? proven process. Proven process. I don't I think we've seen, seen that on the larger scale. I mean, there's I mean, from a distance. This is someone. This is me from a distance outside of a situation, mm-hmm. not knowing the ins and outs. But like, so far, you know, I look at people like, like Darren Patrick. Right, who definitely was not was, an affair, not an affair, but is in that restor, you know, restoration process yeah. currently, as far as I know. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't see like these uh, how these other people went about it, right? Like it, th- there's something distinctly different about his process, and I think part of it is his heart and his willingness to come yeah. under. At least, like Guys, I said, this is me from a distance. And right. For anyone listening, that's from the St. Louis area. That knows a lot more than I do. Please know I don't know what's going on from a distance. What I see and what I've read—that's what it appears to be. And I don't need to know otherwise. Yeah, right? we we're not interested. in We're not detail. interested. I understand that there might be people hurt there that are thinking, "Well, hold on, you don't know the whole story. How could you sit there and say but that?" You're right. Po- I don't your point know. is is that if a leader has disqualified himself, yes, um, he shuts his mouth. That's it. He he stops his public ministry and comes under care for that process of restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you this: uh, I know several ministers, well known and you know regular pastors like us, who have had affairs and they are all out of ministry. Not one of them has been restored. Um, I knew one guy that tried to uh, to make it happen, but his sins found him out. So, yeah, they try to sneak it. They're like, oh, I'm just gonna not disclose anything and then keep my past a secret and then go start somewhere else. Oh gosh. Of course that's not going to work. So yeah. Thanks man. We're ending on that. We're ending on that. Jeez. So happy hundredth episode, Joe. Yeah, man. What are you talking about? Uh, All right, fine. We'll do one more. No, nah, I don't want to do any more. No, no, no. I'm one tired. more. One more. One more. Are you ready? Let's just do tithing. You want to do tithing? Yeah, it's easy. All right, go. All right. Uh, it just says tithing. So <laughs> that's, that's the subject. <laughs> what, what is, yeah. I, I, All right. So uh, at it, Redeemer, yeah, at Redeemer. What's our view on tithing? Do we require a tithe? No. No, we do not. Do we talk about a tithe? No. No. Uh, we are encouraging our people regularly to uh, to give yep. to the church. Sacrificially. Uh, yep. Joyfully. Generously. and um, But in accordance with their own conscience as the Lord directs them. That's right. We want our people to give, not begrudgingly. Um, and so, for, so how much is that? I don't know. For yeah. some people, uh, it should be more than 10%. Uh, for other people, it's going to be way less than ten percent. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we don't we don't look at the numbers. I know a lot of pastors are like you don't look at the numbers. You don't know who's going like that. Nah, the the treasurer he 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 knows what's going on there. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't worry about it. Um, and and we're fine. If we needed to, I could look. I suppose. I mean, I have we have the right as elders to do that, but we never have done it, and we don't want to do it. We stay no. away from it. So uh, we encourage our people. We call our people to give generously, sacrificially, joyfully. And, and it is part of. I mean. The one thing is it is actually part of our church covenant, though. That they will give. That they will give. Um, and we have regular attenders that do that do give, and we're, we're thankful for that. Right. But we, we, we have an expectation that our members will give as, as they are led. Second Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not yep. reluctantly or under compulsion. 
for God loves a cheerful giver. That's, That's right. our guiding principle here. Yeah. So no, we don't do the tithe thing. We don't call it a tithe. Now, when people ask, like, so like new Christians, so do what? It's like do I give like fifty bucks a month? Is it like a gym membership? Mm-hmm. And I go, no, it's not exactly. Yeah, um, it's three thousand a month if you so, want. So <laughs> I said, this is your family, and this is your ministry that you're a part of, and so your contribution helps it to run, so we can care for one another and do more. So uh, a lot of people shoot for ten percent. Some people can give a lot more than that. Some people can't give that. Uh, but you should decide as you look at what God has given you and how you want to participate here. We just leave it with them. We don't uh, we don't press in. Now, if we're looking at uh, leaders, people that want to serve, like as, yeah. if we were looking at an elder, then we would ask them. We would talk to them about their giving habits. Um, but uh, other than that, we don't look. Uh, that, that was a, that was a, that was a lighter one. That was easier. Hundredth episode. We did a hundred. We're done. We won hundred. Yeah. We 100. So <laughs> let's just stop now. Stop while we're ahead. All right. It is hot in my I know. Heart. It's it been really in the is. 90s. It's been in the upper 90s. All right. Let's just do the spiel and then move on. All right. What's the, you, you do the I don't do the spiel. Oh, uh, you want me to do the spiel? Yeah. You, you, I don't do the spiel. Well, I know, but you could, you could help out every once in a while. All right. All right. I'll try it. All right. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter I'm at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctor and Devotion. You if this, you've so got I won't any. Do it, even though you know. No, like, no, no. Stop. Now you're throwing me off. I'm not now throwing you're throwing you off. me off. Don't do that. You can head on over to. You wanted me you to You can head on over to the website, doctorvotion.com. And there you can sign up for our email list. Right. What if they want to leave a comment? Oh, you can also email us there. Yeah. Or you can contact page. There's a contact page. You can also click on the store. Yeah, there's a store where they can buy stuff. Where they can buy stuff. Some t-shirts, some hoodies, some books, some journals. Furbies. We don't have Furbies. Okay. Yet. Yet. Joe Faux Furby. That is a million dollar idea. That's that's a good idea. That's a pretty good idea. Hey, Joe. Good job. I'm proud of you. That's really hot. I want to get going. Uh, what did I leave off at? Facebook, Instagram. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Whoa, 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 but what about other stuff? What do you mean other stuff? Um, I already said. I already said. What the, about J Bond? Big thanks to J Bond. Is he doing this one? Nope. Okay. It's still nice <laughs> to say it. We love you, Jay. We love you, J Bond. Fresh Pod every Monday and Thursday. Blog posts on Wednesdays. Hopefully, something on Fridays in the fall. Later. Later.